Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning again, guys. Aren't you glad that we're in a building? It's got heat and Man, just able to worship Jesus together this morning. I'm thankful that you're here. This morning when I was driving out for setup, I was so excited. I got in my car and it was 10. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. We're in double digits. This is, this is awesome. Praise you, praise you, God. But again, if it's your first time with us, please be sure to stop by our welcome home area in the back. And uh, we're just so glad you're here. This series we started two weeks ago called All In. Everybody say All In. All in all in. And we're discovering what our lives look like when we make a decision to go all in with Jesus. And I'm sure all of us know how to go all in with certain things, and maybe it's hobbies or interests or you know, new passions. But here's our question. What if you went all in with Jesus? What if we didn't just kind of give him half of us or some of us or even most of us but we actually, the word is surrendered. Would you say that with me? Surrender. What if we surrendered? And it's a process and it's a journey. And from the moment you make a decision to say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, be my savior, we're on this surrendering process. And if you would allow the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, to poke around in your life and poke around in my life and say, hey, here's another area I want you to go all in with. I want you to surrender pride. I want you to surrender control. I want you to surrender your fears and your worries. I want you to surrender your responses and your dreams and goals. He's faithful to give us more than we can ask, think, or imagine. Amen? That's our God. And so we're asking this question as we start another year. What if, what if we went all in with Jesus. And if you decide to go all in, these are five truths that we see in scripture that define the life of someone who's all in. And here they are on the screen. Because I've gone all in with Jesus, let's say it together. I pray first, scroll for truth, worship courageously, truly love people, and have hope. We're going to say it together again. The scripture actually says that those who say it out loud get to heaven faster. Did you read that? I've read that. Let's say, because I am all in with Jesus, I pray first, scroll for truth, worship courageously, truly love people, and have hope. See, these five things really define the life of someone who is a disciple, someone who is following Jesus. Two weeks ago, we learned that our first response is not worry. Our first response is prayer. And this was our first week of 21 days of prayer and fasting. This Wednesday, we're going to have a service together online. Joe will give us some details. We're going to come together on Zoom and we're going to pray. And we discovered what a blessing. I don't have to worry first. I don't have to get anxious first. I could pray first as a follower of Jesus. Last week, we talked about how to scroll for truth and how when we need truth, we go to God, the star breather. And we contrasted that with an area that so many go to for truth, astrology, mediums, and psychics. And we learned that those practices are not for believers, but rather we go to the one who made the stars. We go to the one who has a plan for our lives. And today we're going to discover this third truth, worship 
courageously. Say that with me. Worship courageously. Now, to start off our time, I want to read a scripture from the book of Isaiah. And what's so interesting about this verse is that Jesus himself quoted it when he walked this earth while he was in the temple. There's a moment in Luke 4 where we see that Jesus went to the temple and got one of the scrolls and opened up to the passage we're about to read. And he said, this is about me, everybody. (laughs) This verse right here, it's exactly describing what I came to do. Here's what it says in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Isn't that good news that Jesus declared? Are you seeing that? He said, the reason I came I came so that on the days where you have mourning, instead you can experience an oil of joy. In the moments of life where it feels like there's nothing but death and ashes, I came to give you a crown of beauty. And I love this last part. He said, instead of a spirit of despair, maybe you know this verse from the King James that says this, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Have you heard that? I'm going to give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Anybody want to be honest in church this morning and say you've ever had a day where it feels heavy? Both hands up. Can I get some feet up in the air too? Maybe it's just like, yeah, we have those days. We have those days where life feels exhausting, where it's challenging, where there's hard moments, where there is just this heaviness. It feels like someone put salt in your coffee and you wanted sugar. <laughs> You're just like, man, this is just not starting off right. It's just, there's just heaviness. Now, here's what I want to let you know, according to Jesus. In this world, you're going to have trouble. There's going to be those moments where you're, you're honoring the Lord. You're, you're faithfully tithing. You're, you're surrendering your life. You're worshiping him. You're sharing your faith. And yet it still feels like there's challenges and hard moments. That is to be expected. However, in those hard moments, here's the promise that Jesus said he came to give us. He said, I came so that you might have a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. Notice the word is spirit. Christians, people who are all in with Jesus, will not be overcome by any spirit of heaviness because instead we have a garment of praise that we can put on. Now, how do you respond when there's those challenging hard moments? I kind of wanted to contrast it, maybe with a word that we would all relate to and understand. And so I'm going to say this. When When you and I go through hard moments, is our tendency to complain or to praise? Come on, what's our tendency? Let me say this way. Maybe some of us, we go to our wardrobe, we have a complaint coat. I'm going to put on my complaint coat today. Anyone else but me feel like you got a master's degree in complaining? I mean, I've perfected the art. I've graduated the classes. I know how to complain, and I can convince you I'm not complaining. I'm just sharing. I'm just venting. I'm just explaining. We put on a complaint coat and we look at life through this lens of woe is me and we are handing out invitations to the pity party and everyone's invited because misery loves company. Jesus says, I came to give you some praise pants, somebody. (laughs) 
Let's hang up the complaint coat and let's put on some praise pants and let's worship the Lord courageously. Now, I found in my life the hardest times to worship courageously is when I'm suffering and I can't trace the cause. What I mean by that is I'm living for God. I'm honoring the Lord. I'm worshiping him. I'm, I'm, I'm practicing the fruit of the spirit. Like I'm, I'm, I'm surrendered, I'm all in, and yet I face challenges. And in those moments, isn't it so hard to praise the Lord? Don't you instead want to say, why? What are you doing? What's going on? I've, I've given you everything. Why am I suffering amidst honoring you? Is it possible for us to put on a garment of praise in those seasons? That's where we're going to go this morning. And to do that, we're going to look at two people who have that very situation unfold in their life. They're honoring the Lord. They're living for him. They're sharing their faith. They're loving others. And yet they suffer extremely. And watch how they respond and what God does. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 16 this morning. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. The Bible is a collection of 66 books broken up into two big parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament speaks of life before Jesus walked this world. He still existed, but he hadn't yet walked this earth. And the New Testament speaks of Jesus' life on this earth, his life, death, burial, resurrection. Acts is the fifth book, and it talks about how the church gets started. So at this point, Jesus is ascended, and the church is just starting to grow and expand in the Roman Empire. And there's two men named Paul and Silas who are on a missionary journey. They're traveling around, sharing the gospel, honoring the Lord, doing good, and we're going to see what happens to them. Acts chapter 16, verse 16 says this. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit. Everyone say a spirit. spirit. Had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. I want to pause. Last week, we spent all of our time together understanding that astrology and, and psychics and mediums are practices that are not fit for believers. And so here it is. Paul and Silas are traveling around, and there's this woman who has a spirit by which she can tell the future. And she's making money for her owners. Look what she does. Very interesting. Verse 17, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting. And here's what she shouts. These men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Anyone perplexed by this? Why is this spirit-possessed person who is telling fortunes suddenly affirming the message of Paul and Silas. Wouldn't we think that this spirit would be in conflict to the message of the gospel? After all, if we've discovered through scripture that astrology and mediums and psychics and the like are not sources of truth, then why would this spirit be actually declaring truth? I'm not going to answer it for you. Let's go home. I'm just joking. Let's read the next verse. Watch what happens. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. I read that and I smiled. I said, thank you, Paul, for being a normal person. <laughs> He's just annoyed. <laughs> 
He became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit. Now notice he speaks to the spirit and not the girl. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. A miracle. This young girl, who was not just a slave by culture, but was a slave to a spirit, now, because Paul practices the authority of Jesus, he casts this spirit out of her, and she has freedom. She's healed. There's a miracle. But it still should leave us with a question of why did Paul not allow that spirit to affirm the gospel that he was preaching? And here's what I read and wrote. If Paul accepted the demon's words, he would appear to be linking the gospel with demon-related activity. Satan always seeks to twist the truth of God's word. Do you know in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, Satan came to Jesus and attempted to tempt him, and one of the means he used was scripture? Like Satan himself spoke out Psalm 91 to Jesus to get him to sin against God. What was he doing? He was twisting the truth of God's word. And in this moment, Paul understands this spirit has the appearance of light, but it is demonic and it does not belong here. And so allowing the slave girl's demon to keep announcing their purpose would damage the communication of Paul's message. And here's why. Because truth is, and lies from Satan do not mix. Now, this has nothing to do with worship courageously. It's going to set the stage for us. But look again in Scripture, we see. Paul looks at this spirit, this demonic activity, and says, even though you're parading like an angel of light, you have no place with the gospel. And because of that, this young girl is set free in Jesus' name. Isn't that a miracle? She's delivered. She's healed. That spirit is cast out, and now she can know the actual Jesus that the spirit was claiming to know. I just get excited about that, that she's healed. It's a miracle. Paul does God's work. Now, what do you expect should be the outcome? Maybe a couple extra jewels in his crown in heaven. Maybe a new camel should come riding through in that moment, just deliver to Paul. Thank you, Paul. Maybe he just gets a, an increase in his salary. I mean, he's doing God's work. What is the result going to be? Verse 19 says, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. This is heartbreaking. Because rather than celebrate the miracle of a life changed, these guys who were more fixed on themselves and greed and their own prosperity are upset that their business plan just failed, even though it was the expense of another person. They didn't care. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and they drag them in. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. That just does not seem fair. They honor the Lord. They live for him. And now they're being beaten for what they've done? And after, verse 23, they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. 
Thank you, Jesus. After all I did today, setting this young girl free, living for you, honoring you, and their night ends with them being stripped, beaten, attacked by a crowd, and now fastened and chained in an inner cell. I think if there was ever cause or justification for a pity party, my friends, we found the verse. If there was ever reason for the next verse to say, and so they got on Instagram and they posted a picture of their chains and they put up a huge post about how hard life is and how unfair God is, I really think we found just cause for that. If they are to put on their complaint coat, then the next verse should read, they cursed God. They couldn't understand. They, 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 they'll never live for him again. They left their small group. They stopped serving on the dream team. They're definitely not going back to church. They're done with their Bible. They're done with prayer after all they did for Jesus. And this is the thanks they get. Now I'm using a little hyperbole, but guys, come on, don't we do that? Don't I do that at times? Say, really, God, this is the result. All the hard work, honoring you, loving, giving, serving. Now being treated like this. And we complain. What does Paul and Silas do? This next verse. About midnight, when they should have been ordering dominoes and just having a pity party. (laughs) Paul and Silas, say it with me. They were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Anybody else triggered by verse 25 right now? (laughs) We should be encouraged by it because this is not a day to be beat up in the house of the Lord. What are we saying? There's joy in the house of the Lord. This is a day to be built up by God's word. And what we are seeing are two ordinary men filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, fill them and fills you today if you've surrendered your life to Jesus. And they're going through a hard circumstance and it's not because they're some super apostles or better than anyone else. It's simply because they're choosing to put on a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. They could be overwhelmed in that cell. They they could complain. They could woe is me. And now listen, I want you to understand that does not mean that we live a fabricated fake Christian life. We see throughout the Psalms that there are moments where the Psalm writers will pour out their heart to God and bring to him their real honest prayers. God wants you to do that. But I'll tell you this, he doesn't want you to stay there. There's not a moment where God says, good, stay in your pity party, stay in the ashes. He said, I came to bring you a crown of beauty for that. Share it with the Lord. Bring it to the the God who loves you and then grab that garment of praise and say, I'm gonna worship my way through this moment. I'm gonna worship. I'm gonna sing out. I wonder what they were singing in that moment. Maybe they were singing, no joy in the house of the Lord. Or, or, or Jesus, where are you, Lord? Right? Just, maybe, no, I think they're singing something like this. Come on, they're singing, chains, fall, sing it with me. Here. Bow, I don't even know the words. Here, now, Jesus, you change everything. Come on, they're they're giving God their best praise. They're saying, I'm gonna worship my God. I'm gonna sing out praises to him and I'm gonna pray and look at what happens in the next verse. 
It says in verse 26, Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. A miracle because two men decided to worship courageously when they could have shrunk back in fear and took on a spirit of heaviness and complained. Instead, they say, we're going to worship our God who's still good. This isn't good, but he is, and I'm going to worship the God who's still good. Something stood out to me as I read that. If you remember in verse 25, in fact, Drew, go back there for a minute. Minute. It said that they were singing, and what were people doing? They were listening to them. Now go back to 26 again. It said that everyone's chains came loose. Everyone wasn't singing. Only two men decided to worship courageously. And yet everyone's chains came loose. And as I sat there and thought about that this week, I felt the Holy Spirit say this. What if, just what if, what if God will use your decision to put on a garment of praise to free other people? What if, because you've gone all in with Jesus, See, it's normal to complain, but we reject normal. We embrace a kingdom way of living. And what if while everybody goes into work tomorrow complaining about blah, 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 did you hear this? Did you see that on the news? Life's never going to get better. We're just going down. What if everybody does that and you show up? Yeah, I saw it. I'm going to worship God through it. What if your decision to worship courageously is actually the means that God's going to use to drop the chains off some other people who need to know him? See, I got to believe that in my life because I have people, they complain, they live normal. Woe is me, pity party. And I'm saying if I'm going to show up and praise the Lord, then maybe you might catch what I'm praising and then your chains are going to start to come loose and you're going to be set free. And all these people in prison, suddenly their chains are dropping. And what happens next is amazing. The jailer wake up, woke up. That's the one who's in charge right now. It's midnight. Remember, he's on guard. He was sleeping on the job. He woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. What's happening here? Oh, the jailer is suddenly overwhelmed by a spirit of heaviness. Just like that, spirit of heaviness, depression, anxiety overwhelms him to the point where he's suicidal. That's a spirit of heaviness. That's what a spirit of heaviness will do. Get you to believe there's no point in living. Because what he's thinking now is, if the prisoners are gone, I certainly lost my job, I lost my reputation, and I'll probably end up losing my life anyway. So I might as well just take my own life right now. He is completely overwhelmed by a spirit of heaviness. But what drives out a spirit of heaviness, everybody? What? A garment of praise. He's got some worship leaders going on in that jail. So here's what Paul shouts. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Another moment that confused me as I read this story because remember, we're reading this verse after verse. It's just kind of happening fast for us, but this is real time. So go with me for a minute. All the prisoners in the inner cell are listening to two men worship courageously. As a result, all of their chains fall off. We don't know how many were there or why they were there. 
The jailer wakes up, is overwhelmed by a suicidal spirit of heaviness. Paul shouts out, we are all here. I'm wondering why none of the other prisoners ran out when their chains fell and the doors opened. Could it be that they wanted to stay to find out the gospel because there's an invitation for them? Why are these two men singing? And they're not leaving. Paul, Silas, why are you singing? I want to know. I'd rather know what you know than run out of here. It's just a theory. But why are they still there? All these prisoners are still there and the jailer's still there. And so the jailer calls for the lights. He rushed in, it says in the next verse, and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas and he asked the question that we all need to ask in our lives. He then brought them out and he asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And that's the real miracle of this story, everybody. And Paul tells him, believe, believe, See, the real miracle is what we read earlier with that young girl who was possessed by a spirit. She was set free and saved. The real miracle is not that the chains fell off and the doors opened. That's cool. Jesus is like, yeah, that's cool. I could do that any day. That's like, blink my eyes. I can make that happen. The greatest miracle that we see in someone's life is when they go from dead to alive. When they go from lost to found. When they go from wandering to having purpose in their lives because now they know the God who made them and loved them. And so the jailer asked the question that every one of us need to ask at one point. What must I do to be saved? He wants to know. What caused you to worship courageously? Why are all the prisoners still here? Why are those chains off? Oh, you were singing about the gospel. Hey, how do I, how do, I do that? What must I do? And they respond, here's the answer. If you're not saved today, it's simply this word. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. How many are grateful that scripture says salvation is a free gift of God. It's God's grace by which we are saved. How many are grateful that that response wasn't, well, first we got to get you signed up. You got to start coming to church. You got to start serving. That's a non-negotiable. Have you heard of tithing yet, Mr. Jailer? You have to do that. You got to pray a certain amount of prayers if you sinned a certain amount of times, and we're watching. If you don't tithe and you don't pray, we will be sure to let you know. How many are glad that that didn't say that? I love tithing. I've been tithing since I was young. I love worshiping. I love serving. I love loving others, but not one of those things is the reason by which I am saved. I am saved by nothing else but the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And because he saved me, those things are a blessing in my life. They are not a means to salvation. They are a result of it. The gospel is you are invited to believe in the Lord Jesus. And that means you confess, you are the Lord of my life. I surrender and you have control. You're my savior. And so look what happens. It says, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others that were in his house. Isn't that so cool? The jailer brings them out of jail, brings them into his house, calls his family around and says, hey, how do we get this? And now Paul's just preaching the gospel in his house. It says in verse 33, at that hour of the night, again, when they should have been ordering dominoes, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and all his house were baptized. Man, they're having a baptism service right there at one o'clock in the morning. And that's why if you haven't been water baptized yet, that is your next step after belief in Jesus. I've had people say, well, I'm just not ready. And I'll say, have you confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? Yes, you're ready. That's it. 
Water baptism is the symbol by which we identify with the resurrection power of Jesus. Paul says in Corinthians, just as we were buried in baptism, so we'll be raised with him. It's a, it's a symbol. It's a marking moment to say I've gone all in with Jesus. And we're going to have water baptism in the next couple months. Wanted to get a little warmer out first. Right, just a little bit. And when you see water baptism at Blaze Church, if you have not been baptized and you have believed in Jesus, that is your next step. So the whole house is baptized. This is awesome. And it says, the jailer brought them into his house and he set a meal before them and he was filled with joy. Whoa. You, you just had a spirit of heaviness. You were ready to take your own life. Ah, but Jesus came to give me a garment of praise. He came to give me the oil of joy for mourning. And now here's a miracle. The jailer's been saved and he's filled with joy. Why? Because he came to believe in God. He and his whole household. What a story. What a moment. Because two men chose to worship courageously when they could have complained about their situation. And instead, they said, we will pray and sing hymns to our God. And one day, I'm going to meet this jailer in the resurrection. And we're going to meet people who have been saved in the resurrection. Who's going to be in the resurrection simply because you choose to worship courageously? Who in your life is going to see the way you live for Jesus and because you choose to not follow culture, not follow the cycle and join in with the complaining and this is horrible and all that, now we got to do this and now I got to go there. What if we chose to worship courageously because we're more focused on an eternal perspective than the temporary one around us? To say, I want the people in my life to not know me as someone who vents and shares and explains, but no, that's someone who worships the Lord no matter what he goes through. Yes. Worship the Lord courageously. Five quick things that we observe that shifted because these men worshiped courageously. First, their focus changed. Because we know they could have gotten that cell and they could have been focused on themselves, couldn't they? But instead, they focus on him. Their perspective changed. That was not an inner prison cell. That was a worship hall. That was a place to sing out to the Lord. See, what we do on Sunday mornings, corporate worship, yes, it's, it's awesome. But understand, your car is a worship hall. Your job is, a, some of you already know this, your shower is where you belt out the best tune to somebody. Come on, that's my son. He will just sing worship songs in the shower. It's awesome. Perspective shifts about our environment. Their circumstances actually changed as a result of their worship. Chains fall. Doors open. Their enemy's position chained, changed. The jailer who was there to guard them suddenly bows at their feet asking, how do I get saved? And very clearly we see others around them the jailer's household, the other prisoners, it all shifted through worship. Are you understanding this morning that people who go all in with Jesus worship courageously because worship is actually a weapon? Yes. It shifts things. It changes things. It's a battle cry. It's a shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph, the psalm writer says. Clap your hands, all you people. Lift up your hands to the Lord, our King. We worship. And so in just a moment, I want you to know that you've been invited to a serious praise party at Blaze Church because we're about to worship the Lord here. 
We're going to sing out his praises. We're going to make a declaration through a song that says, you're the God who brought me out of Egypt. You're the God who gave me a new life, a new perspective. But then you're going to get in your car and tomorrow you may face some challenging moments, some unplanned hardship. And what happens then? Do you just wait six more days to get back to worship the Lord? No, you worship him where you are. And we're going to help you do that. Blazechurch.org slash worship. Blazechurch.org slash worship. Page just made this week. What's on this page is the songs we sing. We actually have a YouTube playlist of these videos uploaded. So when you get to work, you could put on Blaze Worship on YouTube and you could just listen through the worship songs from your worship team. We've got another button on there right to Spotify that has a list of all the songs we sing on Sunday. It's got like 40 songs in it, everybody. That's enough worship to get you through those challenging moments, those hard days, to begin singing out to God. I'm encouraging you as your pastor, make your car a worship place. Make your office a worship place. Make your home a worship place. In our family, one of our favorite songs is called House of Miracles by Brandon Lake. And, and we've actually said our house is a house of miracles. Like it's where demons tremble. It's where God's praises are. That's my house. It's a house of worship. It's a house of miracles. And I'm encouraging you, begin to worship courageously. Here's why we get to do this. Not because we have to. We get to do this because like Paul and Silas who were attacked by the crowd that day, Jesus was attacked by the crowd. Like Paul and Silas were stripped and beaten, Jesus was stripped chains in a cell, but Jesus was fastened to a cross to pay the price for our sins. See, what they went through, they understood, I'm sharing in the sufferings of my Savior. And so as you suffer, as you have challenging moments, know that your Savior suffered for you so that you might ask the question the jailer asked, what must I do to be saved? And so you might believe in Jesus and be made new. I want to invite you to put your faith in him this morning. So would you bow your heads with me where you are? Our worship team is going to join me on stage as we get ready to praise our God. But if you've never asked that question that the jailer asked, what must I do to be saved? This morning, you're asking that question and you already heard the answer. Believe in the Lord Jesus. And so I want you in this moment to join us as we say a prayer of belief. This prayer is not what saves you. These words are not what saves you. Jesus alone saves you. And now we're going to call on his name. And so would you pray this with me? Hey, Father, I believe that Jesus came and died for my sins. I surrender today. I give you my whole life. Be my Lord and Savior. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you just called on the name of the Lord, then guess what? You're saved. Church, can we celebrate with people who are saved right now? Scripture said, all who call on his name are saved. You're made new. Before you leave, we have a resource we want to give you. So stop by our welcome home area, share with you what's next now that I've called on his name. But I'm going to ask you to stand up with me right now. And I want to pray this morning, that if you have a spirit of heaviness in your life, that you would choose 
by the authority of Jesus to put on a garment of praise. In fact, I believe in this last song that we're going to sing out, you have the choice to displace a spirit of heaviness by the way that you praise your God. That spirit of heaviness cannot stay where a garment of praise is. It's a promise from our Lord. And so as we sing, maybe for you, you've never sang before, sing out. Maybe you've never clapped before, clap your hands. Maybe you've never shouted to the Lord, shout. Maybe you've never raised your hands, raise them. Worship the Lord courageously this morning. Father, I pray right now for every person who is experiencing a spirit of heaviness. I pray for those who feel bound up, who feel chained up like Paul and Silas did, that right now, as we begin to praise our God, chains are gonna be loosed, that doors are gonna be opened up, that our focus is gonna shift, our perspective is gonna shift. Lord, that our circumstances will change, that those who are enemies will bow down and that others in our lives will see people who are all in, who choose to worship courageously. God, we give you our very best praise. And we thank you that we get to worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Give God a good shout of praise. Come on, Blaze Church. Let's worship our Jesus together.